You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of the Bose No Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it's a typical Oregon day here, uh, gray, a little bit of rain now and then, and a little bit of wind now and then, and what can you say, it's January in Oregon, um, but, you know, that's the way it is. So today on the Bo's Nose Show, we have another guest coming in to talk about another great local nonprofit, and that is Julie Novosky with the Elrod Center. Julie, welcome to the Bo's Nose Show. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. So the Elrod Center, um, it, it's kind of an interesting name uh, for something that, that's dealing with kids. Uh, can you kind of give me the what what it is the Elrod Center does or or, or you know, why it's there? Yes, absolutely. So let me go back to the reason why the name Elrod Center. Um, We had a tragedy happen in our family in 2016 when my own father-in-law, Rod, took his life in October. And I was already involved in some community organizations that were helping youth with the homelessness and the trafficking that was taking place. And so when that happened, um, based on my artist management background that I have and just the creativity and the healing that takes place through music, I just had this idea, what if we could do something like this for our youth, create a safe place for them to express themselves when they don't have the words to communicate it. So Elrod is in memory of Rod Novosky, and it stands for Empowering Lives, Reclaiming Our Destiny. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about your your father. Um, yeah. So, so you you mentioned that um, you started out with music, um, and it's uh, and basically providing therapy. You also, um, before we got on the air here, kind of mentioned why you got it started. What was kind of the mm-hmm. seminal that led to you deciding to take on starting a nonprofit? Yeah, so it's really funny because I just had this idea, and because of my artist background, I was like, what if we just have a place where kids can come and do art? But I knew that the therapeutic approach and intervention needed to be coupled with that, but I didn't have that piece of it. So I was just going to start something small in Junction City and start doing art classes, and I shared my idea with, you know, some artists and some therapists, and they're like, yes, I want to do that. I think that's amazing. I had over 100 people say yes to something that I really didn't even know what I was doing. And then um, we kind of put things on hold. And then I was mutually um, connected to a gal who's a licensed professional counselor who was also looking to do kind of a play therapy center. And so a friend, mutual friend connected us and we sat down and we shared kind of our dreams and our visions and said, hey, what if we could do this together and then um, that's how Elrod Center became incorporated when Marion Stigler came on board with me. She had her trauma when she was a young child and how play and therapy really helped address that. And then I had kind of the creative side. So we're like, well, let's just, let's do this thing. So in July of 2017, we incorporated. And then um, if you remember in 2018, there were, you know, some serious crises that took place in our community with kids taking their own lives. And so we're like, well, this is a much greater problem, and how can we address this even with more momentum? So we kind of put out a thing on Facebook saying, hey, we're looking for some space, and we were tagged in a post that night, um, and we were looking at a place that next day. And granted, we had no money in the bank. You know, she was working a job. I was working a job. We thought this was going to take a little bit longer to execute, 
but it really went quick. And so we ended up signing a lease on almost 3,000 square feet of space with no money in the bank. The property management company said, you know, we believe in the vision that you have and we want to help you. We will give you the first two months of free. And then we just started creating a place where kids could come and do art. And um, it's just kind of, you know, blossomed out from there, April of 2018. Wow. Wow. So you mentioned Junction City briefly, um, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned it 3,000 square feet. Where is the Elrod Center? Yes. Yeah, so we are located off River Road on East Hilliard Lane behind um, the Tio Pepe Mexican restaurant when you're headed towards the Chambers Bridge. Yeah. We're tucked yeah, there, I, kind I, of I, behind in a residential facility area. Yeah, I know right where you are because I mm-hmm. used to live off Horn Lane, and then I moved a oh. little bit further further south and was living on Sunnyside. So you're oh, right yeah, in between. Oh, so yeah, you're Horn. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> right in that River Road neighborhood. And a really yep. um, easy-to-get-to central location for the entire metro area in a lot of ways. Um, you can get yes. to it from down. I'm coming out River Road and get to it from all the other areas coming down from Beltline or River Road. So mm-hmm. you guys are not, you know, really centrally located there. Um, so what exactly, you know, tell me a little bit about what happens kind of day to day at the Elrod Center, you know, that you, you're connecting art and counseling together with play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Tell me what goes on at the center. Yeah, so, you know, we do art therapy. So the two ongoing classes that we have right now, the consistent classes, are our kids' art therapy on Sundays from 3 to 4, where we have a registered art therapist on site, and they just kind of work through an art project, whether it's coloring, whether it's clay, whether it's, um, you know, collage, whatever it is, we help teach these kids mindfulness techniques. We help them put language to the emotions that they are feeling. And then we just kind of walk with, you know, we walk through with them um, on the art project, and then we get to have them share why they did what they did and, again, put language to the emotions. So it not only helps them just process without, you know, vocabulary as they're doing the art project, but then they get to stand in front of their peers and say, hey, this is why I did this. You know, this the sunshine, this makes me feel happy, this makes me feel loved. Um, It's just a way to really increase their self-confidence and also give them a place to feel like they belong and they get to meet other kids and it's just a community. So we do that for the kids and then um, that's ages from four to 12 on Sundays and the Wednesdays we do teen art therapy and it's it's a very similar class of course but with teens it's a little bit different you know to get a kid to talk that age is a little more challenging. So, um, but we just encourage them to, we give them space, you know, for kids to come in with their kind of hoodies over their heads and they don't really want to engage. And then they kind of let down their barriers and they start talking and they just start creating. Um, One other thing we do on Sundays, and it's something we also incorporate in our one-on-one therapies, is we have a dog, Caesar, who's a huge white German shepherd who is just the gentle giant. Kids absolutely love him. And I tell you what, that breaks down walls quickly with the with the dog. Um, and we also, you know, teach these kids how to take the, you know, Caesar on a walk or how so they have something that they can control and they feel proud of, a dog listening and obeying. Just simple things like that that you somehow and sometimes take for granted for some of these kids that are coming from very traumatic backgrounds. Um, it's really healing for them. Now, Elrod is not a place where your child has to have a problem in order to come to. You know, we are preventative. We offer these classes because we want to increase social and emotional intelligence of kids and families as a whole. And so we have the reactive side of um, the counseling center where we do do one-on-one counseling with kiddos, and it's at no cost. Um, An exciting thing happening is we have partnered with Pacific Source since they're one of the new CCO Medicaid's in the state of Oregon. And we are going to be working directly with them. So that's a huge thing, which will open e- even more opportunities for us to reach the kids. Um, and then we have this different variety of classes, whether it's a drama class, a physical theater workshop, um, a music class where kids come in and they get to talk about their emotions and feelings and write a song together. And then they get to record that song and they leave with the song that they wrote. 
you know, we have dance classes, hip hop. We're just really trying to be creative and innovative of how to get these kids exposed to other things than just sitting and trying to process how they're feeling through talk therapy. Yeah, and and maybe get them away from their screen for a little while where sometimes well, they yes. get some noise <laughs> feedback. Yes, absolutely. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds fascinating. And, um, you know, I, I can imagine that, yeah, like you said, it's not just reactive. It can be preventative. Um, yeah. I know, you know, I played music, in, musical instruments growing up. It was one of the places I found belonging was, you know, being, you know, one of those nerd bandies. <laughs> you know, right? Play, yeah, but band, hey. It, but, but I had this community of the rest of the nerd bandies. It, you know? Exactly. Exactly. There's an outlet for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, there's, you know, I really can appreciate that, that thought of connecting kids with art and all that. And I can hear Robin giggling in the background probably. <laughs> About Jay's and her band. <laughs> so, um, you know, we kind of covered, you know, you know what what Elrod is and where you guys are and you know why you got started and everything. Is there mm-hmm. anything up event wise um, with Elrod? You know, any any you know new classes getting formed or um, mm-hmm. you know raisers uh, and other functions that might be coming up? Because you know, I'm sure. People that are listening are now wondering how can they help. Right, right. Yeah, so that there is definitely a list of things coming up for sure. Um, we actually are now going to have our center open Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 o'clock. And that's just going to be kind of like a drop-in family fun time. You know, within that time frame, people can come and do arts and crafts. They can do, um, you know, play board games. They can sit and talk. They can have a massage. We have a massage chair to help with the kiddos that have trauma in their body. Um, You know, touching a child, obviously, there's a lot of liability. So there's actually a massage chair that helps address that. And so we have that on site. We have musical instruments. Um, We have the dog, obviously. So Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m., we're starting kind of our drop-in family fun time. Um, And then we have, you know, we're going to be at um, just several events coming up. One that we're going to be doing, of course, that we're putting on is a Roaring Twenties prom We had a prom last year, and it was just amazing and so well attended. Um, And the reason why we do a prom is if you remember, if you went to prom, and and just, you know, kids in general, when you get ready for an event, there's a lot of, you know, stress, and there's a lot of, like, oh, my gosh, what about this and what about this? We want adults to empathize with the kiddos on what they're processing because obviously they are being hit with a lot more stressors in this society than we were. You know, they are just bombarded with information and comparison and, you know, social media doesn't help that, but this allows the adults to have a fun time out and um, get all dressed up. And we have casino games that they get to play and we have a big photo booth with reflections, um, event entertainment and identity events, put does all the decor and then we have photos and, um, yeah, just games, the party team. So it's just going to be a great night out. That's March 7th um, at Valley River Inn from 7 to midnight. Um, the other thing that we're doing is we have been uh, basically contacted by an angel donor that wants to match up to $10,000 from February 1st through February 10th. So not I, I must mention that we are 100% volunteer ran. I and Marion have another full-time job that we do, aside from Elrod. So nobody gets a paycheck. Every single dollar that you support Elrod, it goes straight to Elrod, providing that facility for kiddos to heal and create. So we have no staff, and we literally have been living on faith this entire time. <laughs> and um, we feel like this year is definitely going to be a time that we're going to be able to be fully funded and we'll be able to bring on some, you know, directors to help advance this because we just got into the schools. We just started doing art at Willamette high school, just cut a table and put some coloring sheets out in the main corridor. There were 25, 30 high schoolers yesterday, just coloring. Um, So that's super exciting to be able to do that. And then we have several other other events that we're going to be at just to, to share what we're doing. I, my, I'm sorry. Sorry, my, 
my standard poodles have decided to come and wrestle next to my feet, and one of them oh. is getting a little bit noisy. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. Um, and I'm actually speaking tonight at um, the NAMI event where it's the mental health uh, forum for the community to, to hear and understand what resources are out there for mental health. So we're definitely getting approached a lot more. I think people are realizing that we're staying, even though we came in without really anybody knowing who we were and what we were doing. Um, but yeah, so those are some fun things coming up. Obviously, we're always looking for volunteers to not only teach classes, and you don't really have to have any special education. We do offer psychoeducation classes to the community so they get to understand what is going on inside a child's brain. Um, so last one we had, we had over 30 people show up, and um, it's a training that Marion does. And then, of course, you know, financially, again, like I said, everything goes right back to the center, right back to those kids. And so we have our website. Um, we have our Facebook page, all that social media stuff on how to get involved. Yeah, and I know art isn't is deals with a lot of consumables, <laughs> so it takes. Yes, exactly. Takes money. It's not like you buy yes you buy something and it gets reused over and over again. You know that 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 piece of drawing paper and that those paints are gone. Yeah, after yes. people use them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so art supplies. We are always looking for art supply donations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it's February, was it 1st through the 10th? First through the 10th is, the is our 10,000 match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in particular, yep. you're in that period of time, you're looking for cash contributions. Yes, is there, absolutely. Is, if people go to the Elrod Center website, is there a link to contribute there? Yes, there is. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. So I will yep. encourage you know the folks that are listening to this Bose Nose show. Um, and one of the great things about the Bose Nose show is it kind of lives on as as a podcast. So not everyone yeah, don't great. have to listen. But um, you know, between February first and the tenth, go mm -hmm. to the Elrod's site and find that donate button mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you're going to get matched. You know. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, so that you're going to be doubling the money you contribute to Elrod. Yeah. So that that's big plug. And then then at the same time, you might want to look at their events on there. Is the is the uh, Roaring Twenties mm -hmm. prom? It is. On yes. Yeah. So I'll encourage people to do. You know, they can look at that. And maybe look for tickets and attend that. Uh -huh. Help out there. Sounds fun. Yep, I tell exactly. you, know, you mentioned you know. How much how stressful prom can be for kids nowadays, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and in the day and age of social media, the um, the viral uh, promposals that are out now, oh, which yeah. is you know, yep, <laughs> which is a term I had never heard until recently, you know, <laughs> promposal, you know, but you know where right? over the top, you know things guys are doing to ask a girl to prom or, or mm -hmm. I shouldn't say is it could be, um, you know, asking another guy or whatever. Uh, but still these, these outrageous, you know, things just to ask, let alone. Right. Then when it gets to the actual night, you know, when I yeah. went to prom, I drove my 1963 clunker station wagon to pick up my date, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nice. We, we did go to dinner at, at, at an okay rest, you know, fairly nice restaurant as much as I could uh -huh. afford at the time. And then, prom, right. <laughs> and, and then one of the other kids in our group had an after prom party at their house sort of thing. And Fun. I think the whole night might've cost me, you know, $100 or something like that. Now kids are like nice, spending yeah. on limousines and right? all sorts of stuff and the, the, you know, the tuxes yeah. they rent and everything. I went in my dad's old tux, you know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Very resourceful, so like, budget-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it wasn't expected to to rent a limo. And that, that kind of came right, in, right. you know, maybe after I graduated high school, that kids started renting limos. And nowadays it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. Know, just asking a girl is more expensive than when I took the girl to the bar. You know? <laughs> well, at least you had transportation there that you were, you know, you weren't getting dropped off by parents, you know, because some kids, you know, that's kind of how 
they had to do it yeah. back in the day too. So, you know, very true. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, it's funny because last year we had some people do some prom proposals and, and we are going to encourage that again this year. And we also have a prom court at our prom. So we get to, you know, do a, the princesses and then the queen. And so we, we really play on the, you know, the prom and all the elements that happen with prom. So it's very fun. Sounds like a fun event. Yeah, so, it's going to be fun. There, <laughs> excuse me. Is there anything mm-hmm. else that I covered uh, about mm-hmm. the Elrod Center to let the, the Bosnos listeners know? No, I mean, honestly, I feel like we really did. We covered it. I mean, we're here to see, you know, the youth and families thrive. And, you know, once you impact a child, if you don't address the family dynamic, then you're just going to send that kid right back into that trauma. So we really encourage parents to get involved as well, especially when they're younger, to come to these art therapy classes with them and to learn some, you know, just some mindfulness techniques and kids model what they see their parents doing. So we live in such a high-stress, you know, society that a glass that's spilt over could create this huge reaction from a parent, and then that kid, that's how they think they should react to everything. Um, So we really try to teach parents that, hey, you know, they're watching you. And I think it's really important for us, too, as adults to take responsibility to not blame these kids for the bullying and just the, the stuff that's happening because we as adults are doing the same thing to one another. So we have to realize that they're watching us and we need to take our own responsibility and start modeling different behavior. So we start changing kind of the the narrative of what is okay and what isn't okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, I watched the culture change a little bit over time. As, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to date myself. You know, I graduated high school back in 1975 and, mm-hmm. um, you know, got out of college and started, got into management of employees fairly quickly in the engineering field. And, and a lot of my employees were fresh out of college engineers and um, landscape architects and designers. So, you know, mm-hmm. always seem to have a young office. And I noticed mm-hmm. a change in the office culture um, when uh, Seinfeld became popular. Oh, <laughs> and, Right. It, it was it was kind of interesting, but there there got to be this what I call the cut down culture at the time, where mm. it was all about come up with the best cut down, you know. Hmm. Wow. And, yeah. and it was, and and it it was really damaging to the office environment in, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And hmm. That has continued on, you know, as, as you saw, you know, various TV shows, it wasn't just Seinfeld at that time, but that was just about the, the era of television comedy where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of about cut downs and you yeah. saw it wow. get wow. out there. So yeah, it's something that I try and really mindful of, but I don't drop into that myself. Um, right. You know, that, right. That but uh, yeah, I can see it because my, you know, about modeling behavior. My dad, you know, had a famous temper um, and, and mm. uh, you know, us kids referred to him as the bear. That was his nickname. Mm. We didn't ever tell that to his face, but, you know, there were five of right. us, you know, we're, we're, we're boomers. We're, we're, you know, <laughs> stair steps. <laughs> Don't poke I, the bear. <laughs> our nickname, you know, yeah. Watch out. The, bear, the bears are, you know, the bear's home. The bear's in a really bad mood, you know, whatever, you know, you never heard any mm-hmm. of that, but. Right, right, right. Yeah. Code language. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly came out, um, you know, know, if if inanimate objects a lot of times. And my wife constantly on me about how, you know, the only time I really lose my temper is not at people, but, you know, Mm -hmm. that that is going to really hear it or the the chair or (laughs) the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Modeling my dad's behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right, yeah, is key, you know, is, is the mm-hmm. understanding that I can see it in myself. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yep. Well, and recognizing well, is I, the first start, you know. Yep, yep. And so I, I appreciate the conversation and I really appreciate what you're doing because, you know, there's, thank you. If you can put some of these issues in children, then mm-hmm. they become. 
adults and we're not dealing right. with a lot of issues that come around with adults that haven't dealt with some of those childhood issues. Yeah, So exactly. You're what, just what perpetuating you're, the problem. Yeah. What you're doing is preventing a lot of long-term costs for society. You know, Thank you. whether you look at, yeah, you know, whether you look at, you know, our folks that are homeless or just, you know, right. domestic violence, other issues, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. adults, a lot of that started in childhood. So for as it's, as feeds in mm-hmm. childhood. So, you know, as, mm-hmm. as folks that are out there, um, you know, thinking about that February 1st to the 10th period where they can double their contributions to Elrod or, you know, want, thinking about maybe attending that Roaring Twenties prom on March 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just think we're supporting something that has, you know, long-term mm-hmm. savings to the society and, you know, yes. helps people be happy and healthy and, and, and whole, you know, happy, healthy, and whole. Yep, exactly. Um, yep, absolutely. Which, which is an important thing. Um, so I appreciate Definitely. your time, Julie. Yeah, thank you, uh, coming. And, uh, you know, we'll encourage uh, folks on the uh, Bo's Nose show, and, and we kind of um, will put up a link on KRB Internet Radio to the Elrod Center so people can also Great. go to our thank Facebook you. page um, and find okay. you guys. You guys were really Wonderful. easy. Uh, as soon as you get Elrod typed into a computer, just about center Eugene comes up. <laughs> awesome. In, well, good. <laughs> you know, Google starts, starts filling guys in before you finish. Yeah. Elrod. Wow, that's you know, great. Space, space bar and center comes up as, as one of the <laughs> choices under, under Google. So awesome. you guys are doing, you know, at least have that that, that top of mind in Google. That's good. So. That's good. Well, I wanted to share, you know, um, since we opened in 2018, we've obviously impacted well over, you know, we've kind of lost count, but well over 800 families. Um, Just in the short amount of time, we've given away over $40,000 plus of counseling services because we don't get paid um, because, you know, of obviously insurance purposes, Um, but that's changing this year. And I guess I look at it too, like these, these are our future leaders. And I don't know about you, but they're going to be making some decisions for us. <laughs> and so I want them to be making educated, socially and emotionally healthy decisions and not just reactive to what, you know, they've, they've seen or they've done. So kind of a, yeah, we got to change this generation so that we are taken care of in the future and that they, yeah, yeah. they kind of change the, the trajectory of, of how society has been. So. Like I said, I, I graduated high school in 1975, so I will be one of those mm-hmm. students. Right, Excuse exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so thank you. Thank you for taking this time. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I just look forward to just seeing more of what we can do in this community, and if there's others out there listening that this is just really striking a you know a nerve in your heart, please reach out to us. There's always an opportunity to get involved. We have so many different ways. So if you want to get involved, we will find you a way. All right. Thank you. Sorry. I just had to take the squeaky ball. Puppy. <laughs> no worries. I can hear that. No worries. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Julie. And, uh, yeah, and absolutely. Thank you. And, and everything and good and really appreciate your work with the Elrod Center. Well, thank you. We will keep in touch and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was Julie, and it's Novosky. I think I got that pronunciation right. Um, and uh, she is the uh, the brainchild and driving force behind the Elrod Center, which, you know, if you were listening, it's a really great concept to help kids kind of deal with some of the uh, trauma, maybe to have them pre um you know, inoculate them against, you know, some of those traumas by giving them some good tools. So really good uh, uh, program out there off of River Road there in the River Road neighborhood um, and, uh, you know, doing good things. So with that, we're going to switch gears on the Bose Nose Show, and we're back to our normal format where you can call in at any time you want. And, uh, change the topic, suggest a topic, comment on something, 
at 646-721-9887. And all you have to do is press one so Robin knows you want to get in and talk rather than just calling in to listen because we occasionally have people that do that as they're walking away from their computers and they want to keep listening to the show. So 646-721-9887 and just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get on the show. And, uh, you know, I, I, Robin, now that Julie's off the off the phone, you can laugh now about Jay the Band Geek. <laughs> well, Jay, big, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm wondering about the squeaky toy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he at least went in the other room. I didn't think he I think you could still hear it. Um, <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's funny, you know, living with four-legged children. Uh, uh, yes, and you know, if you want to call into the Bo's Nose Show and talk about poodles, we can do that too. Um, but I can really appreciate the therapy dogs. I know I, I I loved my dogs as a kid, and I had plenty of conversations with them that no one else heard. <laughs> um, uh, so you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, changing gears on the Bo's Nose Show as we get back more towards our regular format, and I mentioned this a little bit in my promo for the show is you know there is a proposal out there right now that our board of commissioners seems to be leaning towards going ahead with to take a part of the lane county fairgrounds and event center and chop it off the of the parcel and give it up to permanently for a uh, 22 unit supported housing for um, families and ch with children that are experiencing homelessness, which is a great reason, you know, you know the 22 units is much needed in our community. I'm but, sorry. It's hard to take you seriously with a squeaky toy. <laughs> do I need to close the door? <laughs> is it that audible? Especially the timing. <laughs> uh, uh, this is at, at least the dog didn't throw up in my lap. <laughs> uh, yes, if you want to go back in the archives and find that Bo's Nose show, uh, Commissioner Bozovich completely lost his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Could not keep a straight pace for about five minutes. <laughs> it was said with love. Yeah. Oh God, that was funny. Um, okay, sounds sounds like Louis giving up on squeaking for the moment. Oh, take so, two. Take two. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's still squeaking, but maybe it's not as loud. Um, it's amazing the way animals will entertain themselves. Um, but so I, I kind of get people, first of all, to understand a little bit about the fairgrounds and event center. This is a facility that is in Eugene that's pretty well surrounded by neighborhood. So it doesn't have the ability to get any bigger. It only has the ability to get smaller, which is not necessarily a good thing and, and healthy for the long-term business side of the of the event center. Um, it's also got the Amazon channel that runs through it. So even our um, animal, our events that have large animals are limited to the dry months of the year because they're worried about runoff into the Amazon channel. With all those restrictions though, we just had a market demand analysis done by a national expert in expo type event centers like the fairgrounds showing that one we've got a pretty healthy business going on there and with some investments in infrastructure it can stay healthy for the next 10 to 20 years and grow and currently that event center generates 600 jobs here locally plus it's you know 600 plus jobs and $37 million in 
economic activity annually. So if that was a private business, we would be bending over backwards to make sure it stayed in this community because it would be one of the biggest businesses in Lane County, employing 600 people and $37 million in economic activity. Uh, he's back. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a serious economic boost to Lane County and therefore providing jobs and income to people to pay their rent. So I, I'm really concerned when we're going to carve a piece of it off permanently and put people in residence right next to an area where the midway and the outdoor concert venue are. So you're going to house families with children, you know, a couple, maybe a hundred yards, maybe a couple hundred yards from the midway and, and concert venue of the Lane County Fair. Not to mention also where they haul in all the big logging equipment for the logging show, where they have to drive in all the RVs for the RV show, you know, it, and, you know, the home show goes on there and, um, you know, holiday market and everything else that brings traffic and noise. And you're going to situate families right there on the edge of all that and not think that there's not going to be future conflicts with noise and traffic. What would be better is if we could find an alternate location. And that all, there are several pieces of ground that we that would not involve carving off a piece of the fairgrounds. There's a piece of property the city of Eugene owns just a couple blocks further to the west where there won't be so much noise impact, but adjacent to an elementary school, talking about families with children, um, that the city of Eugene owns. It used to be the Naval Reserve property that's got you know, it's, it's open land just sitting there. You know, the, how about the city of Eugene carve off a piece of that for this project and commit to that? The reason they're pushing for the fairgrounds is we have control over that and we can commit to it for an artificial deadline of February 5th to submit for a state grant to fund this project. So if the city of Eugene could somehow or another, you know, make a commitment prior to February 5th to Homes for Good that they could host them on the Naval Reserve property, we wouldn't have to start carving up the successful Lane Event Center for housing that's going to be in conflict, you know, and incompatible for the residents to be living that close to a source of noise and traffic. Excuse me while my poodles rattle next to me. I don't know if you can hear that strange noises that Louie makes. <laughs> but it's one of those shows here on the Bose Nose Show, as I'm trying to talk about a very serious topic. And I stuck a squeaky toy up on your left shoulder. You have the squeaky toy up there? Yeah. Or is it up there? <laughs> it's over your left shoulder. Oh, uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, and as I laugh, it makes me cough. I don't know if anyone else had that cold that was going around in December, but the nagging cough afterwards is the worst part about it. Um, but, you know, there's 55 acres out there at the event center. And yes, this is less than an acre of those 55 acres. But what people don't understand is a good portion of that 55 acres is on the other side of the Amazon Canal and is not really usable event center space. It's not connected to the other buildings or anything. It provides overflow parking during large events across the canal. Um, you know, the area of the canal has 100-year floodplain associated with it, so you can't be right up against the canal. So there's not really 55 acres on that of, of usable space. And this area that they want to give up for the housing development is where the vendors for the Lane County um, Fair, the Midway in particular, camp during the week of fair. <laughs> you know, a lot of those guys that have the Ferris wheels and all that stuff they bring in there and the rides, they come you know, with motorhomes 
along with it because they move from fair to fair to fair, and that's where they camp and park their their tractor trailers um, that that hold in the rides. And um, along with that, we also have some of that space that's used for VIP parking for the concert venue. And yeah, it's how close it is to the concert venue. That's you know where the special parking is for the people that buy the high dollar seats, um, reserve seating, and there's a little bit of the 4-H uh, folks camping that gets into this parcel, but the rest of the 4-H camping is a little little further off of it. But if we have to displace where the vendors camp, they're going to end up where the 4-H people camp, which you know the 4-H people camp there because they've got large animals they got to take care of 24/7. So you're talking about taking away something that could possibly displace the 4-H and the animal fair and you know I don't know how many exhibitors will get if they can't also have enough of their group camp there over the 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 week of you know because the the actual animal exhibit you know the the showing of them starts you know before the fair actually starts um you know they're you know it makes it difficult for them to run a successful 4-H show there um, so this is a very serious decision to, to take this piece of the fairgrounds and change the use. Serious enough, we really should have a, a much bigger discussion about it, but we're rushing towards this February 5th grant deadline with the state. And because we can, we as the board of commissioners have con complete control over this property and we have the board of the as board of commissioners are five out of the seven votes on the homes for good board, which is kind of, this is a little bit of a, a incestuous relationship of handing county property over to um, a, another organization that's going to do the housing development. Um, you know, it, it really should have more discussion and the public should get involved in that. And uh, the other issue about it is if we do put housing there and there are families living there under Oregon law, even though the, the fairgrounds was there first, they have every right to complain about the noise. It's one of the reasons why the airport got moved out to where it is, and they the city of Eugene bought up and rezoned all the property around it so that no one could build a house there because they didn't want to have the complaints about the air, airline noise. You know, even though, you know, people had moved in around the old airport that was in town um, under Oregon law, they had every right to file lawsuits and cause all sorts, you know, whether they win the lawsuits may not work or not, but they could cost all sorts of money. The idea of moving a bunch of families right next to a source of noise is setting up the county for lawsuits and possibly causing us to have to buy back the development in the future if we lost some of those lawsuits at who knows how much cost. So it's kind of like, you know, really need to explore other alternate sites. I think the Naval Reserve site would be great because it puts, puts those families within walking distance of Cesar Chavez Elementary School um, and is probably a lot more family-friendly site than being right up against the fairgrounds. You know, think of all the events that happen at the fairgrounds. You know, you know I, I, I've seen um, everything from uh, mixed martial arts um, uh, shows there where they, they have, you know, all the crowd there, that's, you know, for mixed martial arts to, uh, you know, they have, uh, I've, you know, Brewfest have been there in the past some rather adult sort of entertainments, you know, and that's where you want to put some at-risk families with children. Um, just seems like a, a risky proposition, you know. Uh, so I'm hoping people will, you know, hear me talk about this a little bit, maybe be motivated to contact the commissioners and the Eugene City Council and mayor about finding an alternative you know, I'm all for, you know, this 
22 units of supported housing because uh, I have a strong belief that if we're going to provide housing for the homeless, it has to have the counseling and services connected to it that help people move on from that and uh, not just providing them a warm place to sleep with, with no, um, no case management. You know, and this is an example of, of the, how to do that, uh, where we actually, you know, reduce homelessness instead of just, um, you know, enabling it. And uh, so, and it's not like the county hasn't put property into the equation of helping the housing problem uh, recently and over the last couple of years. You know, we donated for one dollar and partitioned off the property for the MLK Commons project there across from Watson Stadium for the 51 units of permanent, <laughs> excuse me, for the 51 units of um, basically housing first style uh, supported housing for chronically homeless folks that's going to do that thing where you bring people in that are extremely difficult to house connect them with intensive case management. And one of the reasons why we did it where we did was because it's right next door to our behavioral health building where they can get their counseling and help with that case management, deal with their addiction issues, deal with their mental health issues, um, learn some life skills and move on and, and become more successful. Um, you know, we put the property in for that. We leased signed a 99-year lease with Homes for Good for the Six and Oaks property where they're doing their market district commons uh, building, which is going to house 50 um, workforce, low in, you know, it's affordable housing for workforce uh, folks and veterans is what it's targeted towards. Um, we have, uh, we are in the process of working to use one of our um, empty uh, juvenile detention uh, uh, units at, out at the Serbu um, Youth Center to house homeless youth and be a, a um, service and outreach center for homeless youth. Uh, you know, that's our property also. We are actually housing car camping on two of our properties, out at Behavioral Health and also um, at our New this year is our our Delta Public Works uh, parking lot out there. We're housing some folks that are car camping there. We are actually um, uh, providing one of the uh, uh, homeless uh, uh, non uh, service nonprofits space on our property on Highway 99 uh, to uh, have a car camping in Conestoga and a service center there. So, you know, it, it's not like the county hasn't put property into the mix and that I haven't supported those efforts. You know, the difference is, is all of those didn't place a successful economic driver for this county at risk by doing so. You know, taking a piece of the lane event center and giving it up to a use that's going to be incompatible is not a smart thing to do. And it's a permanent decision. We're not going to be able to take it back once we go there and transfer that property. So it really should have a lot more discussion, really should be looked at and really maybe it's time for the city of Eugene to come up with a piece of property for this 22 units and, and, and move that forward on something that won't damage our ability to operate that. Cause in the long run, the master planning for the fairgrounds that could become not just dry camping, which it is now it could get, we could develop um, full hookups there and then it would be, camping that we could actually sell you know, on a per night basis and would actually help us market more events at the event center where, where the vendors for those events would have a place they could pull their RV in. And, you know, a lot of vendors at shows, you know, pull a, those 
you know, basically have those toy hauler slash RV combinations where their boost stuff's all, you know, instead of hauling four wheelers in the back, they've got all their boost stuff back there and they camp in the, in the trailer. And if we had full hookups for them, it would, it would be an amenity that we could, you know, maybe draw more shows into the event center, um, knowing that vendors had that space or attendees have that space. You know, the RV show might actually have people that want to come down with their RVs and camp, you know, <laughs> so committing that property where it could be used to augment benefit the marketing of the event center, make it more successful. So maybe there'd be 700 jobs connected with the event center and maybe it would get over $40 million annual economic activity. Um, you know, that's what we should be looking at. We shouldn't be looking at carving off pieces. And and uh, it just seems, you know, yes, I know there's a crisis in housing. But if you're going to start hurting economic activity that helps people pay their rent, that is not the way to cure the housing crisis. We really should start looking at some other things like, you know, our urban growth boundary and some of our regulatory and fee structure policies that, that create cost and limit supply of housing. Um, I'm going to a meeting tomorrow night out at the Irving Grange from six to eight, where they're going to talk about urban reserves for the city of Eugene, uh, which is something I pushed for when they decided to adopt the vision Eugene without expanding their urban growth boundary for housing supply. Um, is to set up a system of these urban reserves so they can expand easily um, in, the, in the next time they, they, they look at their uh, master planning for the city. And they're supposed to be tracking their um, available housing, land for housing and their housing demand uh, more regularly here in Eugene. So hopefully they'll get to that effort to expand the UGB sooner or later. And if they have more land to build housing on, and it was cheaper, maybe the housing costs would drop down some. You know, it's a supply and demand sort of thing. And these 22 units at the cost of damaging economic viability of the fairgrounds aren't going to really change the ultimate housing picture in the long run. We can have, do much more to change that by looking at our land use policies um, and maybe thinking about being housing friendly in all of our policies. You know, the city of Eugene has reluctantly held up uh, accessory dwelling unit regulations and, and freeing those up. Uh, they completely squashed expanding the UGB in the way they handled the Envision Eugene process. And then they wonder why rents are going up so fast and why housing costs are going up so high in Eugene and why folks are having trouble um, making their rents. Uh, and and why there's so many folks that are paying up to 50% of their household income just for housing, you know, in, in Eugene. And, you know, problem is more about supply. Find a way to get more supply. Find a way to make it cost less. 22 units hurting the, the fairgrounds is not going to cure the problem. Now, those 22 units can be very helpful, but they ought to be someplace else. That's all I'm looking for. Find another site, and you'll have my 100% backing for the project. So, as we have about five minutes left in the Bose Nose Show, I'll remind folks that if you want to talk about something other than housing, the fairgrounds, the Elrod Center, Poodle Squeaky Toys, 646-721-9887 is all you have to do to get in on the show. Press 1. After you dial that, again, it's 646-721-9887, and just press 1. That's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire. I know you want to get in on the conversation. So, Robin, I didn't really put together what were they thinking, and I didn't get time to do one last week. Uh you got a what were they thinking this week? Um, only the fact that Oregon is considering toll bridges, and I guess that um, there's a move to 
stop it before it starts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been seeing some of the stories where some of the uh, uh, legislators from the Portland area are talking about how they want to toll every highway in the state eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's like I always said is that uh, once it gets started, there's no stopping it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, traveling up through uh, Washington, you know, you see all the, the tolls there or down through California, and you know, everyone's got to get those um, fast pass things installed in their cars, and it just seems another big brother way of tracking your movements. You know, everyone, you know, doesn't like um, some of the ways that, you know, they can track you, and it's, you know, um, <clears throat> it's pretty interesting, but you know, it's, what's fascinating to me is, um, they track you now in some ways, anyhow, you know, those signs up there that say so many minutes to this exit or so many minutes to that exit that are up above the highway, you know, how they know that through cell phones. Yep. They, your cell phone, you know, sends out a, a signal to, to, to the towers to you know let the tower know you're close to that tower so if you get a call it'll come in and that signal is a unique identifier and they'll those signs will actually track those signals going by and another sensor tracks when it when somebody you know signal reaches that actual destination and you know figures out how many minutes it took them and that then they change the sign Yep. Thank you, everybody, for contributing to the information. Yes. Yep. Yep. So you're already being tracked <laughs> in some yep. ways. Yeah. My big deal with, um, well, in addition to that on toll bridges, is even if something that may not seem like much, like, say, $2.50 to go across the bridge, which is $5 a day for people like us who have to go to work, and even though they use an excuse of congestion, well, $5 a day, $25 a week, $100 a month, to a lot of us, that's a hell of a lot of money. Yep. In addition to the increase in gas taxes and we're paying a transportation uh, tax on top of all that. Yep. And, and once they pass the cap and uh, spend bill, it'll be another 600 and some dollars a, uh, a month for every household in Oregon. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, if you own a, mo a moving business, and uh, you want to make some money. Of course, then again, that's what happened before. That they leaving Oregon cost a lot of money. Coming to Oregon was cheap. Yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, I know. Uh, have you have you seen the the uh, Facebook page that's kind of going around called Dear Oregon? No, I haven't. It's it's uh, basically little letters that are written to the state from people that are planning on leaving the state. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it it's it's a sad but poignant um, sight. <laughs> so if you're on Facebook, you know, type in "Dear Oregon" and you'll find that Facebook page. Well, and what also conversations on Facebook, which is a good point for what are they what are they thinking, is you leave your state because of their politics. And then you bring your politics with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, <coughs> you know, we saw that here in Oregon where California starts failing and all the Californians move up here and start voting for people that, that start implementing California policies. Like there's a reason gas is, you know, almost $5 a gallon in California. Yeah, and now you can't, uh, or they don't want you to use your gas lawnmower. Yeah. And power tools, and and they're talking about limiting your water use there, and, and actually fining you if you go past a certain number of gallons per day per person in the house. Yeah. No big brother there. No, not none whatsoever at all. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I think we're running up against the clock here on the Bose Nose Show, and I do have to get away for that meeting over in the Irving Grange at 6 o'clock 
if you guys, if anyone's interested in what the city's planning, where they're thinking about they might expand to over the next 20 to 50 years, because uh, that's what the horizon they're looking at with the uh, urban reserves. I'll see you at the Irving Grange. Um, but we'll be back next week here on the Bose show, Nose Show at 4 o'clock. And who knows what will happen about the, the um, fairgrounds between now and then. But we'll hope to talk to you then. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Have a great week. 